to this week's edition of Sunday Morning Live from Fresh Fire Church. Today's message from Pastor Adam will encourage and strengthen your walk with Christ. If you would like to be a partner with Fresh Fire Church for $15 a month or more, become our patron on Podbean or visit freshfirechurch.net. And now, let's join the service. Colossians 2.7, this is from the New Life Version. It says, have your roots planted in Christ Jesus. Grow in Him. Let Him make you strong in the faith as you have been taught. Your life should be full of thanks to Him. The other day, the other day, as I was watering the garden and pulling out the weeds, I started hearing from the Lord, and He said to me, Did you see how long the roots are and are growing new plants? The roots were very, very long. I mean, they were long, and they were like runners. So, um, the so as the plants grow and the roots stretch out, so does the word grow and spread when it's shared and new believers grow from it. Your faith grows as you're in the word and you trust the Lord. It grows like the roots and takes hold. As you water the garden, the plants grow and produces fruit. Just as we water our spirit with the word, it also grows and produces fruit and roots. If I don't water the plants, they shrivel up and die, and the fruit falls to the ground. The same is with our spirit. If we don't water it with God's word, it will starve and not grow or send out roots to share with others. As the plants grow, they send out roots and become established. As we grow in the word, it becomes rooted in us, and we become established in it. And we will be able to stand on the word and not fall when the winds of trials come. Now, there are times when I was trying to pull out a plant, like, I mean, a weed, but it wouldn't pull out. The roots were very, very strong in it, and it was all I could do to pull the plant. And sometimes I would almost fall backwards because the plant was so firmly rooted in the ground. And there was other times when I would pull the weed, it would break off, but the roots wouldn't come out. And there are times when we feel like we're broken. And but if we're still rooted in the word and spend time with the Lord, God will renew us. He will minister to us, and, we will, and then we will become renewed and grow back up. It's stronger and better than ever. So, and that's what the Lord spoke to me the other day. Okay. Amen. 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 Thank you for sharing, Lois. Hallelujah. See, he'll speak to us in unusual ways. Sometimes God will speak to me through a, a menu or, you know, an infomercial on TV. He'll start speaking to me about uh, something or another and, uh, in a drive through line. He spoke to me through that a few times, too. Uh, but uh, it's interesting how God will just use 
different circumstances and situations to speak to our lives and hearts to make it uh, make sense to us. Sometimes we can read the word and uh, you can read it and you can sort of be like, huh, what do you mean, God? But he'll break it down in a manner that, that helps us to understand. And I'm grateful and thankful for that. Hallelujah. Are you blessed today? Wake up. Hallelujah. We, but we've been sharing on this script, this mini series that I've been, well, I thought it was going to be a mini series and this is like what week four. Um, I thought it would only be two weeks, but, uh, here it's been week. It's taken us four weeks, but we've been doing this series faith under fire. And I want to, uh, the text I want us, uh, to read, uh, again, uh, I know I read it last week, but I want to read it to you again so we can, we can continue on with this is Luke chapter eight, Luke chapter eight. And we'll look at 11 through 15 again. Yes. Luke chapter 8. I promise I won't re preach everything from last week. But we are going to, we'll do a brief review if you missed last week. And then there's some people that missed a lot, so they're, this is the first time hearing it maybe. But regardless, we're going to try to catch up where you need to be. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 8. I'm going to read it out of a different version as I did last week because I like the way that it lays it out. And it really makes it plain and, and, and sensible uh, for each of us today. So Luke chapter 8, verse 11. Are you ready? All right. Watch this. It says, uh, so mine's going to read a little different than what you see on your screen, on the screen today or in your translation. But it reads this way in verse 11. This is what the story illustrates. The seed is God's word. Some people are like seeds that were planted along the road. They hear the word, but then the devil comes and takes the word away from them so that they don't believe and become saved. Hallelujah. Verse 13. Some people are like seeds on rocky soil. They welcome the word or they, um, they're emotional. Remember, I, I said that last week. They're emotional with joy whenever they hear it, but then they don't develop any roots. In other words, these are people, they have feelings, but no roots. They live in their feelings. I know nobody ever knows anybody that just lives in their feelings all the time. Always getting their feelings hurt, always crying about something always depressed, always something. They're always living in their feelings. This is who Jesus is talking to in this parable. He's talking about people who live in their feelings and have no roots. Listen to me. It's important for you and I to be a kind of people that we, we grow roots in this life and we don't just live in the realm of feelings. God has given us the ability to feel, but you and I are spiritual beings. And if we live in the realm of feelings, we, we, we'll, we'll be caught up in living more fleshly than we are spiritual. Are you hearing me? God is saying to you and I, he wants us to have roots. And in order to have, when we develop roots, it enables you and I to live a more spiritual life. In other words, you'll be able to overcome in areas where you often get defeated. If you can learn to develop roots in your life, it goes along with what Lois was saying. The longer a weed is left to grow, it will develop roots that make it harder to come out. Mm-hmm. We got to develop some roots in this life. Then it, then it goes on, we're in verse 14. The seeds that are planted among thorn bushes, notice it's not the dirt, it's the environment. It says these, these are people who hear the word, but as life goes on, the worries, worries, and we laid out last week how worry is a seed killer. 
worry will, will choke out what God is trying to do. So it says that when life goes on, the worries and the riches, the worries, the riches and pleasures of life choke them. The worries, riches and pleasures of life choke them so they don't produce anything good. And lastly, verse 15. But the seeds that were planted on good ground are people who also hear the word, but they keep it in their good and honest hearts and produce what is good despite what life may bring. Mm -hmm. But they keep it in their good and honest hearts and produce what is good despite what life may bring. Mm-hmm. I mean, no matter what comes against us, we'll keep the word in our heart. We'll keep it deep. We'll keep it within us and not allow what's happening around us to change who we are. Hallelujah. We won't let what's happening around us to dictate our emotions or our moods or our feelings. That, that's what it's saying. Look, look at that again. It's important. Verse 15. But they keep it in their good and honest hearts and produce what is good despite what life may bring. We are not going to be affected by what's going on around us. Hallelujah. I've been reminded of that this week. Adam, don't be affected by what's going on around you. Don't be affected by who might be against you. Don't be affected by what is or is not happening around you. But, but instead, according to the word, they'll produce, but they keep it in their good and honest hearts and produce what is good despite what life may bring. Hallelujah. So we've been talking over the last few weeks about faith under fire. Because sometimes life seems to rattle our faith, does it not? Things happen in our life. Things happen that are challenging to us, and it will rattle us. It will shake us. Sometimes it will even cause you and I to walk away or not be where we used to be in God, not be as solid, not be as steadfast and immovable. Amen. And so last week, right near the end, I was starting to give you four different points out of this text. And some of you were taking notes. I saw a lot of you taking notes. And so I'll, I'll, I'll review them just quickly, and we might share a little bit more on worry because, man, some of you were were writing books when it came to the section on worry last week. I mean, I just saw hands writing and writing and writing. But I said there were four sort of classes of people in the text that we just read, and so it's important. And, and, and the first one that we shared about was the enemy stole it before they could flourish even to the point of salvation. That's what we just read in the text, that, that the enemy will come and steal what, what God is providing to you. Remember, remember we laid out and we said how we can come to a good anointed service and then we can leave and all hell breaks loose or something big happens in our life. Amen. We, we, often, it's, often what ends up happening is we hear the word of God, but it never really stays. Right? But people will listen all the time to the word of God, but has it, ha, has it done us any good? We can know a lot about the word of God, but if it isn't helping us to overcome in this life, has it really done us any good? Hallelujah. Has it really helped us to flourish? Then, then number two, I quickly told you that we, these are people who receive the word with joy, the emotional people, but they have no root. And then when their faith is tested, they wither away. Nothing wrong with shouting and clapping and all of those things in church or being uh, 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 responding to the presence of God, all of those things. But what the Word of God is saying, He doesn't want you and I to respond to the Word and, and almost joy, but then leave and not have any root, not be able to have any substance, amen, not be able to, to pray ourselves through or hold on, in essence, to what God speaks to us in the house of God, what He feeds you and I, and, 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 because it can be sort of deceptive. 
How many of you know there are sometimes, uh, we've all probably known some people that they may act a certain way here, but they're not really that way out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. It's nobody here. It's at other churches. It's all the other churches in town, all the other churches across the nation, right? It's not here. But sometimes we can be guilty, but yet people can come into the house of God, shout and sing and clap and all of those things and, and, and just appear that they're hearing from God, loving on God, that they're a, they're a source that, in which he flows through. And yet it can be deceptive because the, the, the text that we just read says that these are people who receive the word with joy, but they have no root. In other words, they have nothing that, that helps to keep them rooted and grounded and solid and keeps them from blowing over whenever the storms of life come. Uh, I used the analogy last week that, that, we can, that, that God doesn't want you and I to be, he wants us to be fruitful and rooted. And I told you that we don't want to be tumbleweeds that are rootless and fruitless. Amen. And that a lot of people, we just blow from here to there, and you never know what kind of person you're going to get. I know all of us in this place know people that we never know how a certain person in their life is going to be from one day to the next because they are rootless and they are fruitless. I know that sounds hard, but the truth of the matter is there are some people that the reason you never know what version of them they're going to get is because they're not rooted. They may even go to church. They may even claim to love God, but without roots and without fruit, there's, there's no, they're not going to be steady. They're not going to be, they're, they're not going to be the kind of people that are rooted. Are you hearing me? So they're like a tumbleweed. They're just blowing with the wind and going with whatever is happening in their life. Thank you, Lord, that you give us strength and he gives us word to help us to be rooted in the word of God. Hallelujah. That's why I told you last week I, I got to a point in my life where at this season of my life I can't deal with uh, people who have no root. It's just too frustrating and too irritating to deal with people that aren't interested in being rooted and grounded, but if they're just blowing all over and they're not consistent, right? It gets irritating and frustrating uh, if you have to be married to someone who's not rooted. Because if they're not rooted spiritually, are they rooted with you? Hmm. Oh, that just bounced back. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It, when, when we are not even rooted spiritually in what we believe and who we believe God is, how do we expect them to be rooted with us? That's why the Bible says that we should not be unequally yoked. Don't join yourself with someone who isn't like-minded and rooted like you. So if you try to get married to someone who isn't rooted like you or, or yoked like you are, they're a tumbleweed. They're rootless and they're fruitless. And so wherever, they, wherever you are trying to stay and grow, they're always pulling in the opposite direction. And here you are having to pick up root and chase after them, which now makes you rootless and fruitless. Does that make sense to anybody? Uh-huh. I mean, there's some revelation right there for somebody. Amen. We associate ourselves with people. We, we, here's what we do. We want the things of God, and then we put around us people who don't look like him. We're guilty of that, right? The Bible says that we're to be ambassadors for Christ. To be an ambassador means that we represent him. It means that we look like him, walk like him, talk like him, act like him. Now, that doesn't mean all the time, because sometimes we just flat lose it. Catch us on a bad day, and I won't look like Christ. Hallelujah. 
Yes, amen. Thank you, Renee, that you're, you're understanding me. Amen. See, I'm not perfect either. So, so understand what I'm saying, but we are to work at representing him. And, but then what we do in life is we surround us, ourselves in this life with people who don't attempt to represent Christ. Everything that comes out of their mouth doesn't sound like Christ. Everything that they're a part of doesn't sound like Christ. But yet we want to receive the gifts of God. We want to receive the blessings of God, but we're not associating ourselves with people that are rooted. Instead, we associate ourselves too often with people who are rootless and fruitless. And so God says, according to where we were last week, God's saying, I'm trying to get the blessings of God to you, but as long as you're not rooted yourself, I can't give you what I've promised you because if I give you what I've promised you, you'll bear no fruit. It'll do no good. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say? See, we, we want the blessings of God. Let me lay it out to you another way. People will pray and say, oh, Pastor, pray that God will bless me financially. But yet you and I don't even take God serious enough to give God what he asks for. And you want God to somehow stretch your magical paycheck and do a miracle. But yet we're not even willing to give God what he's already asked for. And so God says, I can't trust you because you're, you're rootless. I can't trust that what I give you, that you will make it grow, that you will bear any fruit with it. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? And so we've got to make sure that we're associating ourselves with people who are rooted, rooted, hallelujah, and that we ourselves stay rooted. Don't go chasing after rootless, uh, rootless people, fruitless people. Don't try to keep people that bear no fruit in their life and that are just tumbleweeds blowing all over the place. Don't try, every time you try to run after them, you yourself are uprooting where you are growing. God wants you and I to be planted so that we can grow. Hallelujah. It, 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 pick any plant up out of the ground and not all of them will survive unless they're rooted. If you dig them down and plant them back into the dirt. Amen. But once you pull them and the roots have been exposed and, 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 and it's just blowing all over the place, it's not going to bear any fruit anymore. That's what you and I do. We're constantly picking ourselves up, chasing after people and things that are rootless and fruitless. I'm sticking there because somebody's, I think, getting some revelation about people in their lives and things in their life that don't belong. It doesn't mean I, I can't be nice to people who are rootless and fruitless, but I can't have you close because you'll contaminate me. And I can't have anything in my life that will pollute or dilute what God's trying to do. So, so that, that's why I don't associate as much with you. You're rootless and fruitless. I'm just trying to say it in a polite way. Hallelujah. Right? If you're, if you're struggling to identify who those people are that are rootless and fruitless, it's, it's those people that you never know what version of them you're going to get. Constantly changing. Crying today and laughing tomorrow. Angry today and like losing their mind and then tomorrow they want to hang out with you. What? They're rootless and fruitless. Be aware of that. Why? Because those are the kind of people that they, they, they will disrupt and they'll, 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 they'll take your seed. They'll, they'll rob you of your joy and they'll rob you of your peace. We might get into, get, get into that a little bit. But they'll, they'll rob you of everything that God is trying to develop in you. Haven't you ever noticed that, that there are certain people or certain places that you can associate with, and when you leave, you don't leave with the same mindset as when you left? Cynthia, do you get what I'm trying to say back here? Where, where 
it's almost like they know how to push every button, but the truth of the matter is they're not intentionally trying to push your buttons. They're just rootless and fruitless. They're just doing what tumbleweeds do. They just blow and blow with the wind and do whatever they do. Sometimes they'll get stuck in one place for a bit, and then they'll move, move on to the next, and wherever they go, they're trying to pull other people with them to get you to pick up your roots and, and travel with them. Come on. Tumble around with me. Be rootless and fruitless. And so by the time that you end and you're done with that association, you, you realize you don't have any joy or you're depressed or you're angry. There are some people you just get around and they make you angry. Everything they say and everything that they do, they just bring out anger in you. Let me tell you something. They are bringing out anger in you because they are rootless. How do I know they're rootless? Because if, 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 if they have the ability to trigger you in such a manner, let me tell you, they're not being used of God. If they were being used of God, they would demonstrate the characteristics of who he is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those things. And so if what they are doing is, is literally driving you up a wall, then it is, it is operating in opposition to who he is. I, 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 I could go on and on and on forever. But in other words, you and I need to be aware of the people we're allowing ourselves to be close to when we're spending time with because it's keeping you from being in a position where you are rooted to be able to receive the blessings of God. Yes. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to watch who it is I'm, I'm spending a lot of my time with. I almost said wasting my time, but sometimes we waste a lot of time with people who aren't interested in growing with us. Don't, don't choose your spouse based on how they look or how hot they are or any of those great things. We need to choose our spouse, but are they willing to grow with us? Do you want to go where I'm going? Do, do you have a vision like I do I want, that you want to be a business owner or you want to make X number of dollars that you want to own your home by this and you want to live here? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I, one of the mistakes I learned is I chose someone who was hot over someone. Oh, God, I know that's too much for you from the pulpit. But if you choose someone who is hot over someone that can grow with you, it will never end good for you. It won't. It will always end badly. You've got to know, can you go and grow where I'm going? Can you go where I'm growing to? Hallelujah. And, 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 and if you can't, then let's just stop this right now. That's why we ask all the wrong questions when we start dating someone. I know some of y'all were married. You should have had this message, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, in Lois's case, 90 years ago. Uh, but, 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 but listen to me. Uh, it, it, we ask all the wrong questions. We're interested in what's your favorite color and what do you like and what do you do? Uh-uh. You, you need to ask a whole different set of questions. Where do you see yourself in five years and 10 years? What, what do you believe is the, uh, how do you believe it is that you should treat your spouse? Let me ask you how you treat your mother. Oh boy, it got quiet in here. Because however you treat your mother is how you'll treat me. Ain't that the truth? There is truth to that. Boy, y'all get so quiet today. I mean, I know Ramona's not here to, to egg on the shouting, but and we haven't got to that part yet, but y'all need to hear what I'm saying. It, 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 all of that stuff flows down. And so we learn behaviors at little because we were, we were not rooted when we were little. And so we started learning behaviors. And so we, if we learn to disrespect someone then, guess what? I grew up and I'm still not rooted and I'm disrespecting other people. I'll tell you that I love you, but really I'm not rooted. And because I'm not rooted, I don't even understand the love of God to be able to love you the way that Christ loved the church. Oh, my Lord. Uh-huh. 
So see, if I'm rooted, I can't help but love you how Christ loved the church because I, I go and get a compassion for you because of my root. As long as I'm not rooted, I don't have the ability. Do, do you understand? The, the moment that I, I was pulling weeds and trying to get my garden ready to say for the year, because it's all starting to die off anyway. And the moment I pulled some of those weeds and some of the plants and they laid out, do you know by this morning they're wilted? They've already dried out significantly because they're not rooted. They're not, they're, they're not rooted in a manner to still be receiving the moisture and the nutrients they need to grow. And so maybe that's the reason that you're not getting the things from God and this life that you want is because you've not allowed yourself to be rooted enough in such a capacity that you are still receiving everything that you need. See, the only way pe people will, will float in and out of church and they'll, they'll show up and, and, and I know we see them here. There's frequent flyers. They'll fly into church and then they'll fly out. They're here once a month and they want the blessings and the abundance of God and have a breakthrough and they want me to pray them through no get in line when you decide that you want to be rooted I'll lay hands pray for you counsel you show you ways of getting through but until you get serious about being rooted I can't help you I can't help you because you're more interested in fun look look at what the, even the word of God says in in, the, in what we read that there are things that come to choke our seed one of the things that comes to choke our seed is the pleasures of life Oh, how the enemy tempts us with the things that we enjoy doing. I love a good day out on the boat or to try to water ski or something like that. It's been a while, so you know, I might not even be able to get up, y'all. But I enjoy those things. I can tube. Hallelujah. But getting up on water skis, I might not be able to. I can enjoy all those things. But the enemy will use the things that I like, and now we're getting into football season, right? I alluded to it last week. You'll you have people say, oh, I can't. I got to miss tomorrow because the Steelers are playing. That's because the enemy will use a pleasure of life to keep you from being rooted. I'm not saying we can't go to a game. Oh, yeah, if I get tickets, I'm going to skip church on Sunday too and go to a game. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Preacher never takes a Sunday off. What I'm saying is, is it's, it's okay to do those things. God wants you and I to enjoy life. But what the enemy will do is take the very things that God created for this life for you to enjoy and get you to replace your, what, your life in such a manner to disrupt your life that he'll entice you with the pleasures of life so that, that the very thing that would help to keep you rooted and growing and in a position to receive the things of God, he says, I know how to get at him. I know how to get him every time with this pleasure that he enjoys more than anything. He'll drop everything else just to be able to enjoy this in his life. Hallelujah. And he does that same thing with, with people in our life. He'll bring people into our life that are disruptive, people that dilute and pollute what God is doing, people that, that cause you and I to pick up and pull up roots and start running after them and chasing after them and being associated with them, and they manipulate us and to keep running after them. Oh, you must not love me. Oh, you must not care about me. Oh, uh, you, you must not love me the way you pretend to be a Christian, but then you treat me that kind of way. Uh, honey, you don't know the word. Don't preach the word to me. There comes a point time where God does say, where Jesus said you have to pick up, wash the dust off your feet and move on. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say? That's why you cannot keep surrounding yourself with people who, who are sucking literally the life right out of you, taking your joy and taking your peace. Is somebody hearing what I'm trying to say? You and I've got to make sure that we're connected to people who are rooted, rooted, that are growing and bearing fruit. Even what, 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 what does the word of God say? He desires that you and I would bear fruit and that our fruit would remain. That it would remain. 
Oh, hallelujah. That means that we're going to continue to look more and more like him. It doesn't say I'm going to be perfect, but I'm going to work harder and harder at looking more and more like him. Hallelujah. So if, if you and I are connected to people, either they need to get decided to get rooted. But I think I, I, I've alluded or I started to share with you that there are some people I can love them and I can respect them. But I don't but I do not have the ability to build off of them because they have no root. That's why you never get into a partnership or relationship or business with anybody who has no roots. Mm, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We talked a little bit about the third group of worry. The third group is the ones who allow external circumstances to abort the promises of God and choke out what God has promised, and they're not producing anything good. So we talked a little bit about worry, worry how worry is negative faith. Negative faith. Now, worry, I said it's a seed killer. You ever notice worry will come and distract you from the very things that God is promising that he will do in your life. Worry chokes out faith. Worry will keep you up at night. Yes, it will. It will distract you and make you focus in on everything else that is not working instead of what is working. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Worry. Worry, worry, worry. Lord, help us not to worry. Help us not to worry. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 25. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and let, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Mm -hmm. Are you not much more valuable than they? In other words, you're better than a bird. <laughs> Verse 27, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Uh, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just pause there for a moment. We'll read on in verse 30, 
uh, three here in a moment. In other words, he's saying the worst thing that you and I can ever do when someone is worrying is tell them don't worry. Have you ever been worrying about something, something or a situation, and then someone says, oh, don't worry about it. It's all going to be okay. The last thing you want to hear when you are worrying is, oh, don't worry, right? The only time I want to hear someone tell me, don't worry, is if they know something that I don't. If they have a little bit of inside information about a situation that they know the answer is, is absolutely going to, things are going to absolutely turn around. Otherwise, don't tell me not to worry because it makes me worry even more. Amen? But oftentimes people will tell you things that thinking that it will help you. But I'm here to tell you it's one of those things that, that really, it, it doesn't help you. Uh, often whenever someone says, oh, don't worry. Hallelujah. Uh, but, but we need to understand about worry that God, God is not a, a God that is in heaven wringing his hands and pacing the floor like sometimes you and I do. Because God knows something and everything that you and I do not. This is where you and I have to tap into and realize that often our faith is under fire and how the enemy uses worry to really try to distract us, discourage us, cause us to live in pre- in, in, even in a place of depression. God's not like that. God's not sitting on the edge of the throne worrying about what's going to happen next. He knows what is coming next. He knows how he will get you and I out of whatever problems we're, we're facing. Look at verse 33 of this text. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Mm -hmm. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Yes, it does, especially today and in, in the days in which we're living. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We worry about all kinds of things. Every one of us in the room probably worries about something very different. But in a society, that when we worry about all sorts of things, you can see something online and it'll make you worry. You can see something on the news, it'll make you worry. You can look at your bank account and it can make you worry. Uh, it, you could talk to uh, someone in your family and it can make you worry. Uh, you can lose your job and it will make you worry. Uh, you, you could have been on your way to church this morning and something happened that'll make you worry. And so we worry about all kinds of stuff, but, but, but what... Uh, but what we really are worrying about at, at the underneath it all, sometimes we'll worry about situations and things, but what you and I are really worrying about underneath it, is, it all is you are worrying about whether or not you are strong enough to handle what is happening to you. Really, when you really are worrying about anything, really underneath all of that, what you are worrying about is am I strong enough to handle what is happening to me? I, I, we were dealing with a situation this week and I called the staff together and I was on the verge of just throwing my hands in the air and saying, forget it, we're not going to do it. Then things quieted down. Then later in the week, things kicked up again and I was just like, you know what? It ain't even worth it all. And so I did my due diligence, did my homework, did, called who I needed to call, talked who I needed to talk to. And everyone was like, why are you worrying? Why are you worrying? Do you not think that God goes before you? Let people talk. People are always going to have something to say no matter what. And it just on and on and on and on and on. In other words, I was worrying about whether I was strong enough to be able to handle what we were about to endure. Are you hearing me? That, that's often the things that we're worrying about, whether it is when you were worrying about finances, what you were really worrying about is do I have the ability, do, do, do I have the strength to be able to get through this? 
right? When I'm worrying about whether someone likes you or someone doesn't like you, or whether you're worrying about whatever problem, or you're worrying about your health or some physical limitation, we're worrying, do I have the strength to get through this? Do I have the ability to endure this? So you're questioning your own strength. Are you hearing me? Well, often we'll disguise that in, in, in a manner of saying we're worrying about something else. But if we'll stop dealing with the fact that we're worrying about money or we're de- worrying about people or we're worrying about a, a circumstance and you'll just get right to the very root of it that, I, that you are worrying about whether or not you have the strength to get through it. Because really, in, in, in essence, you are really concerned about who you are more than you are concerned about the situation. Because we know ourselves better than anybody else, right? The truth of the matter is, is I know that it's sometimes easy to throw my hands in the air and just walk away and be like, forget that. And so when the pressure comes on, what I'm really worrying about is, do I have the strength to endure it? Or am I going to make that same mistake, throw my hands in the air, Cynthia, walk away and be like, well, I tried. It ain't me. Problem ain't me. That's on you. Are you hearing me? See, sometimes we'll throw our hands in the air, walk away as a means to say, well, I tried, well, I did my part. I'm not dealing with that kind of mess. When really what God's saying is, no, 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 stay rooted. Stay rooted so that you can grow faith, right? So you can bear some fruit in this that people will always have something to say. And so God's been speaking to me out of my own messages these past few weeks. No, Adam, stay rooted. Stay planted right where you are. Do not move to the right. Do not move to the left. People were trying to manipulate this me this week, say I didn't do this and say I didn't do that, trying to get me to change my mind, trying to make me to make accommodations and do all sorts of things. And God brought me back to it. I almost was ready to just say, that's it. Forget it. I'm not going to do this on Friday, and then the Lord said, no, no, stay rooted. I was like, God, why you've got to do this? Because in other words, God was saying, don't make the same mistake, Adam, of uprooting yourself and becoming a tumbleweed. Be steadfast and immovable. If as long as you stay rooted, you can endure the storm. Amen. Because anytime a tree ends up being uprooted in the storm, right, right, it, it now, now it's no longer rooted. Right, we, we talked a little bit about that last week. Once the roots are exposed, it's not standing up. It doesn't have the ability to continue to grow and bear fruit. Immediately when those roots are exposed, it begins to die. The mistake that you and I often make is we try to uproot ourselves and we, by, by making the claim, I'm not dealing with this anymore. Amen. You might put it other ways. I'm not putting up with you no more. I can't stand you. I've got to get away from you from you, right? And what you just did is you just uprooted yourself from what God has connected you to. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And so as long as you and I stay rooted, he will help give you the strength because he has given you the roots to endure the storm. Everything that you and I have have need of to grow and to develop and to bear forth fruit will, will be fed to us through the root. Oh, Lord, if I only had the time today, I would get into I am the vine and you are the branches. Scripture says that we are the vine, right? That he is the vine, we are the branches. Why? But the moment you try to cut yourself off from the body of the Christ, and people do this, you, you are not able to grow spiritually. You took it upon yourself to prune and to separate yourself in a manner, but as long as I'm connected, I can grow. Mm-hmm. See, this is why it's important that when God has connected you in your marriage, that you are growing together. That's why if you were unequally yoked, you were not growing together. You're not bearing any fruit, and you're not receiving the blessings of God. 
I've watched people that when you were unequally yoked, God can increase your money. God can increase all kinds of things. He can give you a promotion. But guess what? You're no better off. You want to know why? Because you're unequally yoked. You're not rooted. Oh, hallelujah. The more money you make, it seems like it's never enough. Never enough. Never Because there's, there's no roots. You're not rooted because you're unequally yoked. You're not connected with someone who is also rooted. You're not headed in the same direction. They have a different financial philosophy than you do. And so they'll just spin, 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 spin. Oh, we still got to pay bills. Oops. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? We'll do that in all kinds of life. We do it in a lot of ways. And so then we're praying, God, bless me. God, give me your promotion. And God says, wait, you can't even manage what I did give you. You've messed that all up, let alone you haven't even shown me that you're honoring me by giving to me. So I ain't giving you nothing. Are you hearing me? Because God is saying, hey, if, if you can't honor me in any way with your time, your talent, your treasures in any way, I can't bless you with more. You've proven that you're not trustworthy. Not just proven that we're untrustworthy financially, but we've also proved to God we're untrustworthy when it comes to relationships and how we manage them. We'll, we'll, we'll be longing for God to send other people into our life with giftings and talents, and we long for a job. But how's God, God going to bless you with a job when you can't even honor your boss you have now? I'll get out of it, y'all. We have to understand how God operates. God operates and he promises abundance and he promises blessing. But he, notice that there's always a caveat when God makes a promise. He always says, if you do this, I'll do this. I've referenced it over the last few weeks in Malachi 3 when God says, give and it will be given to you. Press down, shaking together, running over, right? In that same, in Malachi, when he says that when you and I give to the Lord, bring our tithes and, and offerings into the storehouse. He said, when you and I give, he, the Lord, rebukes the devourer. Notice, then, then in your prayer time, you're rebuking the devil off of your life and off of your marriage. You just, what, what for? What for? Because God says when you and I give to the Lord, he does it. So I don't have to. In other words, everything that's coming to steal my joy, devour. I'm not talking about just financial devour. I'm talking about people that come into my life to try to take my joy and my peace. God will rebuke them. But God will also rebuke the very things that are trying to take my overflow when you're a giver. Oh, hallelujah. When you show God that you, that, that you can be loyal and that he can trust you with what he gives you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. When you care for the relationships God puts in your midst and you show that he, is, that he can trust you with, with an individual, with a person, he can bless you with more. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Help us, Lord. All of this has to do with, it comes back to this, the statement I make, we worry about money, we worry about relationships, we worry about the people that it's in our life. Why? Because we worry about, am I strong enough to handle what's going on in my life? This is where it all comes back to, you're not necessarily worried about if, if someone is, 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 is going to leave you. When you worry about if they're going to leave you, what you're really worrying about is, am I a strong enough person to be able to... to to, to, to hold on to them. Am I a good enough person to make them happy? You see, you're questioning who you are. You're questioning whether or not you are rooted. And the only way you are going to be rooted and grow and make and, 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 and you're going to be the kind of person that everyone wants to be around and that they'd be crazy to walk away from is if you have roots. There, there's one thing I know, whether we're male or female in this room, what you appreciate more than anything is when someone is consistent. 
I can appreciate consistent people. At least I know whenever I am working with the women in the office, I, I know that they're, for the most part, they're all pretty consistent. I know that every Monday my mom comes in sort of like, Ugh. she's pretty consistent. She's not here today, so I'll get her for it. Hallelujah. Uh, she's just pretty like, mm, you know. Lois is pretty like uh, consistent too. Oh, wow, look up there. Right. Cynthia's pretty consistent. Pastor Donnie's also pretty consistent, especially on Mondays. I pretty much know. Mondays are the day that every preacher wants to quit. We just never told nobody. That's true. Mondays are the worst, most discouraging day for any preacher. Because when we leave on Sundays, we critique our own selves, how we did the message, if it turned out the right way, if anybody responded to an auto call, how many people were missing in church, all of those things. And then we own that and take it upon ourselves as it's our fault. And so by the time we wake up Monday morning, we're just like, for real, I got to do that all over again this week. And so that's why I say Mondays is the day that every preacher wants to quit. We just never told nobody. And But one of the things that I can appreciate about it, the people that whether I work with in the office or the people in my life is whether they're consistent that they may not always have all the answers, but at least they're a person of joy. Or at least they're a person that maintains their, their, their peace. Are you hearing me? I believe that in every relationship of marriage, partnership, whatever it is that you have with an individual or in your family or on your job, you can appreciate more than anything if they're consistent. They may not always be nice, but at least I know who I'm getting when I go to and, and, and talk to the boss, right? That they're consistent. That is what you and I need to focus on more than anything is what is what is important and powerful for you and I is that that's why you need to focus on being a person that is rooted so that you can maintain consistency. How many have ever had made just some bad decisions in your life and it sent you in a tailspin or you are right now in your life dealing with the consequences of bad decisions? I mean, hallelujah. All of us, I've made some decisions in my life that I'm still paying and dealing with the consequences of, and I made them 15 years ago. Here I am 15 years later, and I'm still dealing with the consequences of that decision. Why am I dealing with the consequence? Because I made a decision. I, I chose to, to act a certain way, right, when I was not rooted. And so, therefore, I'm paying the price for decisions and behaviors in a time when I was not rooted. What people can appreciate, what your spouse can, what your future wife will appreciate the most is your consistency. You will be consistent if you are rooted. It means you're not going to be two different people in a matter of 30 minutes. Happy and laughing and carrying on and then like a demon came from hell and took over your body later that hour. Are you hearing me? You will be rooted if you, you, you will be consistent if you are rooted. You can grow if you're rooted. But if you are not rooted, you're not growing. This is why some of us are still dealing with the same problems that we've dealt with for years. Take an inventory of yourself just for a moment. I told you I was going to get to a place of just doing a little bit more teaching on it Sunday morning, and that's what this is. I've been preaching you kind of happy the last few weeks. But we've got to a point where we're going to bring it down, and I'm going to teach you. Look at your life. Are you still dealing with the same challenges now that you were five years ago, ten years ago? Are you still praying about those same things? If the answer is yes, God is, needs to help you to grow some roots. 
Because as a tree grows, the challenges change. It's easy to prune a tree when it's little itty-bitty, right? When I had that, I don't know, 40, 50-foot pine tree come down in my yard last winter through all of that terrible storm, I had a small tree that fell. It was easy. We just yanked it across the yard, and it was all good to go because it was itty-bitty. That other one had a trunk this big around, and I mean, the roots and everything came out. It was a disaster. It came down on the power lines. It made my yard look ugly, right? But the reason that the pine tree came out of the ground anyway is because pine trees don't have deep roots. They're known for having shallow roots. They're known for it. The reason that some of us are still dealing with the same problems is because, A, we're not rooted or our roots aren't, haven't run deep enough. And God is wanting you and I to be able to have deep roots, meaning becoming more and more like him, understanding his word. It means we don't know everything, but God wants you and I to be connected in such a way that our roots can grow deep. Do you know, think about it this way. Uh, when the hurricanes hit down in the Florida coast this week, I love Florida. It's the place I want God to call me to retire, all right? I've been down there in some of their more intense storms. And what's amazing is, is those big palm trees will bend, but they don't break. And those hurricane force winds, 70, 80, 90 mile an hour or more, those trees will bend over as tall as they are. They'll bend over the very top, will touch the ground, but they will not break. They don't break. You get winds like that up here, our oak trees and walnut trees, and they're just breaking, limbs snapping, uprooting out of the ground, right? Because a lot of these are trees we have, they have a lot more shallow roots. Do you know a, a, a palm tree, that they, they actually can have roots up to a mile deep into the ground? A mile deep into the ground. Redwoods out west, those huge, beautiful trees that there's not many of left. What's interesting about the redwood tree is they, they will grow in the forest and they will interlock their roots one with the next. And they can withstand the great storms that hit in the northwest and endure their intense winters and the brutal weather that they often will have up there. Listen to me, because one, either they know how to get their roots deep or they know how to strengthen themselves by intertwining their roots with somebody else. Somebody needs to hear what I'm trying to tell you in this place. The reason that you keep getting blown over and dealing with the same problems and you get uprooted and you set yourself upright again, but you never get your roots deep enough and here you are still dealing with those same problems. God is saying, hey, I want to help grow you up. I want to help grow you in the things of God so that you can face new challenges. So you can grow in who you're supposed to be. So God wants to help you get your roots deep in him. Hallelujah. He wants to help you uh, grow your roots and maybe even intertwine those roots among the others. That's why God has called you and I to be a part of the, 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 the family of God. He, he calls us to be one body but many members. And so when one of us is hurting, everyone should be hurting. I know it's not popular, and I know that's not cool anymore, and I know most churches don't preach that anymore, but it's meaning that if there is one person in our church that is hurting, everyone in this place should be grieving and hurting with them. It means if one of us is celebrating something, every one of us in this place. Why? Because we are rooted and connected together. Yes, hallelujah. That's why when you're walking through your house and you stub your toe, it didn't just hurt your toe. I mean, you feel that clear up through your body. 
Yes. When I had my back surgeries, every part of my body hurt. It wasn't just where they sliced me in the back and in the front. Every part of me hurt because I was compensating in other places to try to absorb and deal with the pain of the fact that they had gutted me and stuffed me. Amen. And so you're, you're trying to deal with that. The same thing is true in the body of Christ. This is why you and I need to be connected. You need to build friendships, build relationships with people. Not everybody in church is perfect, but it will help you to stay rooted. Yes, hallelujah. It will help you to stay grounded so that when the storms come, I've often put it this way. I'm not going down, so you're not going down. And as long as you're connected to me and I'm not going down, you're not going down. In other words, I'm not going to let the storm blow you over because you were connected and rooted with me. And I know I'm not going anywhere because I'm connected to God. Are you hearing me? You need to have that kind of analogy in your life that you realize that anybody who is connected to you and that you love and that you worship with, that's the kind of mentality we need to have when it comes to people who are wishy-washy in church. You're not going to let people play games in church because you're not going down because you're not going to let them go down because you're not going down and you're not going down because you're connected to God. We need to have our roots so interconnected that we're not going to let anyone uproot and become a tumbleweed. Yes, amen. The people in our family, the people that we worship with, hallelujah, that I'm going to be rooted and I'm going to bear much fruit and my fruit's going to remain. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He said in that text right there in in Matthew chapter 6, do not worry. Do not worry. In other words, don't be up at 3 a.m. in the morning worrying about something that you cannot change. When we worry, our minds start spinning. When we worry, the the text we read said, do not worry. What the actual translation means, take no thought. That's what it actually means. I, I know it says do not worry, but if we translate it accurately, it means take no thought. It means don't even let it enter your mind. You know, a lot of times as of recently, when I've laid down in bed, I had to do it last night. I said, Lord, I just thank you that you're going to put my mind to rest. Just stop it right now. I've had to literally say, God, I need you to clear up my mind and my thoughts so that I can get some sleep. In other words, Lord, help me so that I take no thought to the things that do not matter, to the things I cannot change, the things that are going to keep me up all night. Help me to take no thought. Because the minute you let your mind start going, you can't hold on to it. Right? I've said many, many times, where the mind goes, the man goes. That's why the Bible speaks so much about you and I controlling our thoughts. Where the mind goes, the man goes. Come on. You and I all know if you think about something for a little bit, you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. I could go somewhere with that. If you think about sinning long enough, you're going to (laughs) sin. Right? Uh, Yeah, I know. I know. I've done it. I've lived it. I've been there, right? That's why the Bible speaks often throughout Scripture. He talks a lot to us about our mind and and bringing every thought and captivity. One of the ways that you and I are going to be able to stay in faith is if you take captive the thoughts that need to take captive. Don't let your mind wander where it shouldn't go. Don't don't even allow your mind to begin to, to, to go to places and start worrying about things that you know yourself that you don't have the means to change. You're going to lose sleep. You're going to worry about what people are going to say. And, and, and yet for what? For what? Where the mind goes, the man goes. See, the enemy almost got me ready to quit and give up on something that we're working really hard on this week because he got a hold of my mind. And I left him do it. And I left him not do it just once, but twice. 
And so where the mind goes, the man starts going. Before long, I was ready to quit throwing the towel and say, that's it. Forget it. I'm not going to even try no more. Hallelujah. But, so, but you and I have to constantly remember where the mind goes, the man goes. Hallelujah. The enemy wants to get you and I in a spin cycle to worry because worry is circular. And it will unravel every good thing that is happening in your life. It will put you in pressure. It will steal your joy, and it will steal your peace. Yes, it will. That's why Jesus said in, in the text that we read in Matthew 6, Jesus says, consider the birds. In other words, what's he saying? We used to sing a song, an old song. I used to sing when I was growing up. It's consider the lilies. When, why is Jesus saying consider the birds? The reason Jesus is saying consider the, the birds, consider them, is you and I need to consider what they know that you don't. Consider what the birds know. That's why Jesus is saying they know something that you and I don't. Why? What do they know that we don't? Well, there's a few things, but, but one, very simply, the birds are, are operating at a level that you and I are not. So they can see things from a different perspective than you and I can. Yes. A higher view than you and I. They're operating at a higher altitude. In other words, in order for you and I to stop worrying, and he, when he says consider the birds, consider the, the lilies, right? He's saying, he says stop looking at life and start looking up. Start looking up and realizing there are, there are other things and, that you need to consider and realize that, that they have a different perspective that you do. As long as you and I are looking around and, and as long as you and I are looking around at what we're facing and what we're dealing with, what we're doing is spinning around. But what he wants you and I to do is, in other words, he says, consider the birds, right? Consider this is he wants you and I to break the cycle. Break the cycle and recognize that there is a God that is above us, a God that has gone before us, who lives within you and I, who's always for you, and, 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 yet, he, and, and yet he is never against you. He, he wants you and I to consider that, considering more on who he is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that he is for us and not against us. It's easy. If we start spinning, we'll start thinking that God's against us, that he's not helping us. We start getting angry with God. But he wants you and I to focus on, on who he is, what he's created around us that is magnificent and awesome and beautiful. But as long as we focus on the problem on hand, I'm not looking at any of the other, none of the other things that is going on around me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. He says it over and over through Scripture. Do not worry. Because when I worry, I, what I'm doing is I'm worrying and wasting time on what God's already working on. Do you realize that you're losing sleep? We're, we, we stay up at night. We'll lose sleep. We can't get certain thoughts in our mind, and we're, it's, we're allowing it to consume us. But yet, if you are God's and he is yours, he's already working on what you're worrying about. He's already working on it. So, so don't let it consume you. Don't let it take over your life. Hallelujah. Because God's already working on what you're worrying about. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm not going to turn there and read it. If you, if you want to, you can go and read it this week. Because I don't have the time to read it, but in 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha's servant, the Bible says, woke up 
and saw that they were surrounded by the enemies. And he woke Elisha up and said, said to Elisha, he said, what shall we do? We're surrounded. Entire camp is surrounded by the enemy. What in the world are we going to do? I don't know about you, but I can relate to waking up and just feeling like I'm utterly, totally surrounded by enemies and problems and circumstance, and I can't affect change on any of it. So the servant of Elisha woke up Elisha and said, what shall we do? That's sort of what we do. We run to God and with our problems and say, God, what am I going to do? God, what am I supposed to do in this situation? What am I supposed to do about them? What am I going to do about this problem? And Elisha, he could have prayed for God to destroy the enemies surrounding the camp, but Elisha did not pray for God to destroy the enemies surrounding the camp. Instead, he prayed not that God would take his enemies away, but he prayed, God, help me to see beyond my enemies. Did you hear that? He did not pray, God, destroy my enemies or destroy the problem I'm dealing with. Instead, Elisha prayed, Lord, help me to see beyond my problem. Help me to see beyond what's standing against me. Help me to be able to see a a way out of this thing. Help me to see through it. When I was thinking about this week, I, I, I immediately began praying that God enables you to see beyond your enemies. God enables you to see beyond your problems and God enables you to see beyond your circumstance that you would not just only see what's not working in your life but that you would have the audacity and the vision and the faith to be able to see beyond what's not working. See, the enemy wants so often you and I to only focus on what what is not working, what our problem is, what our circumstance is, what we don't have enough of. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I alluded last week to the feeding of the 5,000 and how the enemy often wants you and I to to only focus on the fact that all we have is a a few fish and a couple loaves of bread. But it was not until Jesus uh, received, until that little boy gave his lunch and to Jesus of the few fish and five loaves of bread, amen. And Jesus took that and began to broke it. And and when when Jesus broke the bread, amen, and blessed it, then God began to multiply that. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say? Often the enemy wants you not to focus on the fact that all you have is a few fish and five loaves of bread. And if you'll focus on that, you will not have enough. But it is when you and I give what we do have. That then God can take what he has, what we do have and bless it and multiply it. The same thing is true here in this, in, in, in what I'm referring to you in Kings. He, 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 did not, he did not pray, Lord, kill my enemies. He said, Lord, I pray that you would help me to see beyond what's going wrong, beyond what's not working. And so Elisha prayed this. He said, Lord, open his eyes that he can see that there is more with us than than those that are with them. Elisha began to pray, Lord, help my servant to see that there are more that is with us than more that is with them. Uh Uh-huh. Because Elisha saw something that his servant did not. The circle of enemies could make a person feel really overwhelmed. It could, make, it could have made Elisha immediately look and say, I'm overwhelmed and I'm outnumbered. There's nothing that I can do. 
But the Bible says, if you read through that text, the Bible says that when the servant opened his eyes, he saw what was there all along. The Bible says that there was a host of angels. There was a host of army angels of the Lord surrounding the first circle of enemies. And so what was on the outside was greater than that which was on the inside. In other words, God was surrounding the enemy's army all the time. In other words, whatever is surrounding you and I, God is already surrounding it. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? That the enemy wants you and I to see the problem. He wants you and I to see what's not working. He wants you and I to see what we don't have enough of. And yet what, what, what Elisha's prayer was, is, uh, he said, Lord, help him to see beyond the enemies. Help him to be able to see beyond what is not working. Help him to be able to see beyond the obstacles that I'm dealing with in my life. Hallelujah. Some of you in this place, that needs to start being your prayer. When when problems are striking, you need to not pray, God, help me to deal with this or get me through this. Some of you need to pray, Lord, help me to see beyond it. Lord, help me to see what's on the other side of this problem. Lord, help me to see myself when I get through being like this. God, help me to see what I look like in five years. God, help me to see what I look like and what my family looks like in 10 years. God, help me to see what myself when I get beyond depression, when I get beyond addiction. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When I break through where I'm at right now, God, help me when, 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 to see what it is that I look like when I get another job. Yes, God, help me to see what it looks like when, when, I, when I break out of this place that I'm at right now. Don't let me just see the armies that are encamped all around me and the problems that I'm dealing with right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The reason I'm saying that is so much of our peace, so much of the peace that we end up losing is dependent on the second circle. See, if you're able to see what's on the other side of your enemies, and how God has encamped around them. We were gonna sing a song, we, we pulled it from the list. We were gonna sing the song. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Are you hearing me? I want somebody in this place to hear what I'm telling you right now. It may look like you're surrounded, but you're surrounded by him. That was what Elisha prayed. Lord, help my servant to see what's encamped around behind the enemy that's surrounding us. They begin to see the army angels of the Lord encamped around them. In other words, God is for you. He's not against you. God is not trying to make you worry yourself sick to give yourself an ulcer. God is not wanting you to keep yourself up at night worrying about things that you cannot change. Instead, you need to pray, Lord, help me to be prophetic. Lord, help me to see what's on the other side of what I'm dealing with right now. Help me to see what's on the other side of crazy people. Help me to see what's on the other side of every way that hell is attacking me right now. God, help me to see what's on the other side of depression and mood swings. God, help me to see what's on the other side of all the anger that I feel inside. Oh, hallelujah. Why why did Elisha do that? Elisha did that and prayed that because he wanted to be able to reverse the worry of the servant. You and I need to do that. That is how you can protect your peace. Did you hear what I said? 
That is how you protect your peace so that when things go wrong and aren't working in your life, you don't lose your peace over people, places, things that aren't working. Lord, help me to see what's on the other side of that. God, this, this person is causing me problems, but Lord, help me see what's on the other side of that. Uh-huh. You're protecting your peace. I believe our peace needs to be that important to us. The only way, watch, watch this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to close with this. I'm not going to get through everything again, but watch this. Your peace needs to be a priority for you. There are some places I just cannot go anymore because my peace is more important. Somebody said to me that you, you never come visit anymore. Yeah, there's a reason. There's a reason. Well, what's the reason? You, you can't handle it if I tell you the truth. That's what I told them. Some people think that sounds so mean, but I'm sparing them because I know they can't handle it. I, I know they can't handle the fact that I, I really can't tell them because you disrupt my peace. You steal my peace every time. I, you, you're like a leech and you suck the life. I know they couldn't handle that. So I just said, there's a reason. I went on about my shopping. Hallelujah. Yes, yes. Because I know they're not spiritual enough to handle the truth. Your peace needs to be a priority. Watch this. Your peace needs to be important to you. And the only way to have God's peace is to have God's priorities. Watch this. The, uh, the, I, I found this to be true. Anytime I have a lack of peace, it's because something was wrong with my priorities. Anytime I have a lack of peace, it's because something was wrong with my priorities. It was never the presence of problems that created the absence of peace. Because sometimes in my greatest problems, I've had the greatest peace. I believe that problems often help us to clarify priorities. Problems often just demonstrate who you really are. When the pressures of life come, what bubbles up, that's who you are. And whoever shows up when the pressures of life come, when the storms come, that's why God's saying, I need to help you get rooted. If you and I can deal with the fact of who shows up when pressures come, when storms come, that ugly part of us, not always looking nice, not always sounding like Christ. Amen, amen. I know I can't be the only one. God says the reason they show up is because of a lack of priorities. But God says if you start dealing with the priorities and, and start dealing with, with what should be a priority in your life, you'll start realizing you'll have more peace when you have my priorities. Mm, mm, mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I used an illustration at some point. People will leave their phones or their iPads in church sometimes. We're at one of the meetings. People will leave their phones and then they'll call and say, hey, so-and-so left their phone. Can you unlock the church? Isn't it funny how we can leave our devices that cost a lot of money? We can leave them anywhere, but guess it doesn't matter how far you drive to go home. 
If you realize you left your phone, you're driving right back to get it. And yet, most of you will leave your peace anywhere. And you won't do what it takes to go get it. You just live your life without it. You let someone steal your peace, and you've not taken it back. You let people disrupt your, your life in such a way that you have to leave your peace at the door. But yet, if you lost your phone, you'd drive to go get it. You, some of you need to be so intentional that you're not going to let people, places, things, circumstances steal your peace. But you are going to do whatever it takes to get it. How are you going to do it? Make sure, number one, you have his priorities. Number two, you're going to be careful who you're associating with because if, if they're the kind of person that they literally steal your peace that easy, they might not be good for you. Mm-hmm. That's how. God, show me your priorities. And in the midst of it all, God, show me what's beyond what's encamped around me. If there are enemies circling around you, if whatever is not working is consuming your mind and your thought, God, help me to see what's on the other side of what's surrounding me. I'm going to tell you, you're going to maintain a peace that'll see you through whatever it is that you are enduring right now in your life. How do I know? Because I've been doing it this week. All week. God, help me to see what's on the other side. God, help me to see what's on the other side of these people that are out to destroy me. God, help me to see what's on the other side of this problem I'm dealing with, this, 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 or this financial stress, or this issue going on in my family. God, help me to see what my life will look like when I overcome this. The last thing I'll say is anybody who keeps reminding you of what you did wrong and how you hurt them, Some of you have heard me say, call him a devil because only a devil reminds you of your past. That's doing nothing but depleting you of your peace, disrupting what God is trying to do in your life. Don't let anybody keep reminding you of your, yes, we've all made mistakes. One thing I can say is when people do something against me, they apologize, I can move on. I never remind them of what they did that hurt me because only a devil will do that. Only a devil will. Surround yourself with people that can help you to see beyond what is surrounding you. And if you'll do that, you'll begin a whole new life of peace and faith. That you, it'll be hard to even believe that it's real. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say to you today? Our faith is under fire. But in the end, you win. In the end, you can see beyond what is surrounding you like Elisha and his servant. The angel armies of the Lord camped around you. If you can this morning, would you stand to your feet? I just thank the Lord that as we're preparing to close, I could just sense as we are nearing the end, just the, the peace of God. Almost just flow into this room. And that he's speaking a word to somebody in this place today that if nothing else, 
you're here that he, yes, we've been talking about peace or yes, we've been talking about faith, but if nothing else, God says, I've been dealing with your faith because I want to introduce you to what it's like to have peace. like to have peace so as we prepare to close in this place today I want to just pray over you today that you would begin a brand new journey in him I don't know about you but years ago it was almost like I was addicted to chaos like there always had to be something going on or going wrong for me to be able to thrive it was it was strange And it wasn't until I really was introduced to the peace of God that I realized I don't need things to always be going wrong for me to have purpose. Some of us in this room need to just be able to enjoy life and enjoy it and understand that God can, the opposition and things can go wrong, but even in the midst of the storm that I can still have peace. And in having peace, You're going to be a more consistent person. What used to make you angry won't make you angry. What used to make you blow your top won't make you blow your top. But you're going to have peace in the presence of the storm. So as we close, I just want to pray over you today. And even over this holiday weekend, that whatever you endure, whoever you're around, that you'd you'd maintain your peace. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus for your word. Your word that is powerful. Your word that is is sharper than any two-edged sword. That it just comes to cut and to divide. Father, I pray today that you would allow what, what I was able to share, God, with your people to minister and go deep into their life. God, I pray in every area where there's been chaos and worry and fear, God, I pray that the peace of God would just begin to overwhelm and overflow and 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 flow deep into the lives of your people. I pray, Father, that you would help us, God, to be more consistent people. That, Lord, and you're going to help us do that by being rooted in you. That, Lord, I don't have everything right, God. I don't even do everything right. But, God, I'm going to work at being rooted, staying rooted and connected to you and your people in such a way that, God, when the storms of life come, I'm going to stop blowing around. I'm going to stop being being tossed about to and fro. And that, God, I'm going to be able to be consistent, steadfast, and immovable. But, God, most importantly, that, Lord, in the midst and in the face of adversity, we can maintain our peace. So help us, God. Help us to maintain our peace by seeing on the other side of what's encamped around us. God, I pray that you would help these people under the sound of my voice, God, to be able to see on the other side of depression, to be able to see on the other side of financial hardship, to be able to see on the other side of loneliness, to be able to see on the other side of despair, to be able to see on the other side of whatever journey of life they are on right now, that God, there is the army angels of the Lord encamped around whatever's encamped around them so it may look like i'm surrounded but i'm surrounded by you O lord lord bless your people today strengthen them empower them right now in the name of jesus god i pray that their steps would be ordered of you this week that you would do extraordinary things in them. God, I pray that you would start today, right now in this moment, a chain of events that is unstoppable in their life, that the very favor of God, the blessings of God, and the peace of God would pour out over them. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray.
And God, I give you the thanks and glory and honor. Bless the week ahead for them. Bless everything that we put our hand to and that we try to do. And God, we give you the thanks. Lord, we give you the praise and the glory. And I thank you that, Lord, for what's on the other side of what's surrounding every person in this room. And we bless you now and we pray. And we ask all these things in your powerful name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Church, have a blessed week. Enjoy the holiday if you get to. And we can't wait to see you next week. Hallelujah. God bless you. We love you.